Hello everyone, Simon Jacobson here to speak about how to earn trust. You ever hear someone say to you, trust me? That's one of the most distrustful statements you can make. Would you trust someone simply because they asked you or told you to trust them? Trust is something that has to be earned. Especially when we're living in an environment or we've gone through experiences in life that have betrayed our trust, where our trust was violated, where we were hurt by people who we, whom, whom we trusted, then for sure it's something that does not come easily. You can just say, trust me. It has to be earned. But the question is, and the big question is, how can you earn trust? And what happens after a betrayal or a violation? Can trust be re-earned? Can it be regained, reclaimed? Trust is such a fundamental element, an ingredient in every aspect of life, starting with relationships. What is a relationship without trust? Same thing with communications between friends, parents and children, spouses. Wherever you turn, trust is a critical element to creating, cultivating a flourishing and healthy relationship. So the question is, what are the ingredients necessary to make trust work, to earn trust, to be trustworthy, and to earn someone else's trust, as well as learning how to trust them? That is the theme and the discussion we're going to have, and hopefully come away with actual tools that are already embedded within our DNA, within our superconsciousness just need to be accessed and with that can learn to develop and grow in so many different ways can for example let's ask this question because a good quint cousin to trust is love we all know that without love life life is also lacking a fundamental element love like water to a flower, love to a human being. Without love, there's no nourishment, no uh, nurturing. And a flower will wither without water, a human being will wither without love. So what is the relationship between love and trust? Can you love someone and not trust them? Can you trust someone and not love them? These are very critical questions that I'm specifically opening up with because that actual tool called a question is a great way to provoke ourselves and force us to think differently or to think beyond the superficial, beyond the veneer and get deeper into any particular given issue. So the questions go on and on. What defines trust? And are some people simply more natural trustworthy than others? As I said before, earning trust means that there's something you can do to actually earn it. I want to elaborate a bit more about how trust comes into play. So those of you who have listened to this class know my approach. I always like to go back to our childhoods because that's the earliest version of who we are. You want to get a better sense of yourself. You always want to go, how were you before life stepped all over you or you've been trampled upon or you've been hurt or you've become jaded or cynical? And the best version of that, the freshly fallen snow before it's been stepped upon. 
And I don't necessarily always mean that in a negative way. Not everybody's been trampled upon, but we all go through the wear and tear of life. So the best place, the best, so to speak, I don't like the word specimen, but the best place to look at is what we were like before life and life experiences affected us. So we always talk about love being a natural and expected and uh, birthright of every human being. The same thing with trust. Children trust naturally. It is only when they are taught not to trust, God forbid, they learn to lose trust, or their trust was violated or betrayed, is when they begin to question and perhaps come away sometimes not trusting. I meet people very often, just to use an example, someone I just met, but this is so common, it's not even an exception any longer, sadly, that says, I don't trust anyone. Everyone's guilty until proven innocent. Rest assured, as soon as you hear that, you know that person has been hurt. Because why would anyone say that? No young child will ever say that. Why would an adult say that? Because the trust was hurt. The people I was supposed to trust or the people I did trust hurt me. Once, is an, once you'll forgive, twice you'll forgive. But if it becomes consistent, if it becomes the norm, then you begin to say, you know, you, you put up your guard, you put up your walls. This is especially true children growing up in homes and environments that are insecure, that are unsafe, whether it's an angry, belligerent father or an alcoholic mother or it could be vice versa. But a home where you come and you don't feel consistency and you're always wondering what's going to happen when my father or mother come home. When you have to think about that, that already means that you're not in a trusting environment. It's unsafe. The contrast is you know your parents come home, or when you come home, they're there for you. You eat dinner after school. They'll do homework with you. They're there for you, but you tuck you into bed. And you know you could sleep a peaceful sleep. You don't have to be worried about anything happening to you or about arguments that you hear behind the closed doors, etc., etc. That creates a trusting environment. Security creates trust. When you're secure and feel comfortable, you trust it. Does that mean you should always trust it? We all know that we could always be in an environment that feels secure and things could happen. But for a child, it's a natural thing. If it's secure and safe, feels secure and safe, I will trust. Love is an extension of that. And perhaps it feeds trust and trust feeds love. I would say they both feed each other. Trust brings love and love brings trust. They're not the same word, obviously. Because you could have someone you trust and you don't love quite like you would love a parent or you'd love a sibling or you'd love a spouse. You could have a friend that you trust, but there's a certain element. If you trust them, there's a certain element of care and concern. We're not here to talk about love as much as we are to talk about trust, but I just wanted to point it out because they come together and work hand in hand. So going back to a safe, secure environment creates a trusting environment because you can rely on it. You don't have to second guess. You don't have to wonder. You don't have to worry. That's what creates trust. What breaches trust, what breaks that trust, is when it becomes inconsistent. Again, if it's trusting in general and from time to time something happens, we're all resilient and we learn to adjust and we learn to be flexible and we learn to take a few punches, so to speak. But if it's reversed, where the majority of the time you are not secure and you feel unsafe and you don't know what's coming next, that's when the trust begins to wane and it begins to 
weaken. And then you start wondering and you have this weary attitude to the point if it continues, you become not just weary, you become untrusting. Meaning you don't trust the other. And whoever comes your way, they're going to have to prove themselves to you. Now you can imagine how that plays itself out as we go to school, as we develop relationships with friends, and especially as we develop later relationships as we get older, romantic relationships where trust is such a vital component. You will have your walls up. This doesn't mean we can't counter it, and of course we're going to address that. I'm just describing the trajectory, or you can say the choreography, of the, uh, the journey of trust. The trajectory of trust in a healthy situation, trust will be consistent companion in our lives because it can't, comes hand in hand with security, with, um, with safety, and so on. In an, un- in an unhealthy environment, there'll be lack of, where there's lack of security and lack of safety, trust becomes something that is a very precious commodity. Obviously, we're going to discuss what we do in all these situations, but it's important for us to lay the lay the la- to get the lay of the land. And how does that play itself out? As I said, as we turn into adults, we're either trusting or, we're just, or, or our status quo, our, our default state is non-trusting. Now, the trust, let's explain trust for a moment. Trust does not mean naive, believing whatever anyone tells you. A wise person, let's say he's grown up even in a healthy environment, knows that, listen, you may go into a hostile situation or you may meet a stranger and the stranger wants something from you and it may not be something you just trust. However, your lack of trust is not coming from weakness or from some type of fear or due to the trust being, having been violated. It's due to the normal and intelligent discretion that all of us should have when it comes to any situation. You don't just trust anybody just because they say, trust me. Especially when it comes to more sensitive matters, personal matters, financial matters, or other things where trust is very important. Now, think a simple situation. People hire someone for, to work. It's not even a romantic, it's not an emotional relationship, but it's a relationship that needs trust both ways. You have to trust your employee, the person you're hiring, they should trust, and they trust you. What happens in a healthy situation? You meet, you interview, you begin to learn about each other, and then there's a trial period, and you learn to see. And time, if it works well, you learn to trust. You learn to trust, you know this person, you can be trusted with this work. A word's a word, a deadline's a deadline. If they make a mistake, and we'll talk about later about accountability, which is such a vital component. But you learn to trust this person. You may also discover that you can trust them in some areas and other areas they're not good at, or they have their blind spots. So you adjust accordingly. So there, it's a matter of, like I said before, earning it. How do you earn it? By experience. And if indeed, God forbid, it's a situation where, I don't say God forbid, sometimes it doesn't work out, the chemistry is not right, or there is a lack of trust for whatever reason, because a person, let's say, is not an honest person or, has, or is covering their own tracks and is constantly protecting themselves, then the trust may never really uh, take hold. And then, of course, usually you won't be able to work with a person like that. The same thing with partnerships and business deals, Trust, trust, trust. When there is trust, obviously there's a lot of confidence that goes with it, and you feel comfortable to working with someone you can trust. When there's lack of trust, even if you need to work with a person, you're going to be very cautious and constantly looking over your shoulder and being putting a lot of checks and balances. 
That's the regular process. Obviously, all this becomes acutely more amplified when you're dealing with personal emotional relationships because there's so much more at stake. Even in business or employee-employer relationship, it's also there's something at stake. But when it comes to your personal life, obviously the stakes go up, and that's where everything gets more pronounced. So therefore, it takes, it's even more important to understand the elements of trust. So let's go back to this element. What is trust? So trust essentially is two human beings. We'll soon talk about trusting yourself, but two human beings who initially you give the benefit of the doubt to, like, like I said with children, and you learn to see whether you can trust that person, and you do. And when, and, and when it happens, you do. And it's a vital component because it creates that calm and peace of mind that's necessary for anything to succeed. If you're constantly challenging yourself or not trusting the other, what's going to happen is ultimately it's not going to be worth it. You want to be able to know you can trust that person. Their their word's a word. You know that when you're not watching, they're trustworthy and so on. So in that sense, it's an ingredient in relationships. It's a necessity in any give and take. But let's talk about, about trusting yourself. There are many people who don't trust themselves. But that, I would submit, is an outgrowth of the fact that you didn't trust those that you were supposed to trust around you. Because when you were a child, and you expect your parent, parental love, or love from other people that's supposed to be, that's, that you naturally deserve, and initially you expect it, you look forward to it, it's something that you just can t- take as a given. And it's not given to you. You're deprived of it. What do you think happens? Besides the fact you stop trusting that person, you stop trusting yourself because you expected it and you trusted your instincts and now your instincts have also betrayed you because you, mis- mis- you, you come to learn something's wrong. And usually you blame yourself. But even if you blame your parents, something's wrong. I, don't, I can't trust myself because here's a person I was supposed to love that's supposed to love me. I'm expecting it and I'm not getting it. So what out- really erodes is your own inner trust. And when you stop trusting yourself and your own judgment, and your own expectations, that's when it gets much more complicated. Because it's one thing you can identify and say, you know, I trust myself, and as an adult would do, but this person who I've met, I don't trust that person, but I trust somebody else. So you have that healthy balance, and and yes, there are people in your life that you allow, allow in. You'll give some trust to some people you'll trust even more than others. There's measures of trust. Some people you trust your life with. You know they will never betray you. And there's some people you trust conditionally. But as a child, children don't have this sophisticated way of distinguishing. So a child can easily see, oh, it's no trust. They stop trusting everybody, and especially themselves. And then that gets so complicated because you can't make that distinction and say, one second, maybe that person hurt me. That doesn't mean everyone else is going to hurt me. But a child has already assumed a new attitude, an attitude of, oh, care. Careful, caution. The red light is always on first. This is part of the dynamics that shape us. Now, where you stand, this is something that each of us has to establish. I'm speaking here to more than one person, so obviously I'm, I'm, I'm discussing the spectrum of trust and lack of trust, and you have to figure out where you're at because that helps tremendously if you want to move and grow from there. So we've covered... I would say the general trajectory, the journey of trust and lack of trust, how it begins, 
and how it could erode and how it affects you and how it affects others on the different levels. We've also spoken about the importance of it. But I'm going to go now deeper. I'm going to go deeper. Deeper into getting to the root of it all. Why is it indeed, and this may sound like a, a simplistic question, but it's actually a very important question, a vital question, and that is why indeed is it possible for people to hurt each other? Why shouldn't we be able to expect love, expect trust, expect people to behave in a trusting way? Why is it possible for us to lose trust in someone? And we have to gain it, we have to earn it. Why can't that just come naturally? If you look at the natural natural world, for example, the natural balance of life is extremely trustworthy. You can rest assured that now here in this hemisphere is summer, you can rest assured summer is going to be a warm period of season. The flowers will blossom. The trees will grow. The birds will chirp. We'll have beautiful days. Some days may not be so, so beautiful, but you can pretty much predict the general season. You can rest assured that as in this part of the world, again, when as, uh, as August ends, September ends, October begins, the autumn will enter. And the leaves will begin to fall. And the trees will go into their slumber. And rest assured that will be followed very shortly afterwards, a few months after that, with winter. The cold of winter. Each part of the world will experience it in its own way. Some places, some parts of the world, seasons are more extreme. Some places they're more mild. But you can rest assured that you can trust that. You can trust that with your life. How do we know? Because that's how it's happened last year, and two years ago, and three years ago, from the beginning of time. There may be milder winters and harsher winters, milder summers, harsher summers, but the, the general trajectory can be trusted. And after winter, spring will arrive, and then spring will be followed by summer again. There are so many things in life, I'm just using the seasons as an example. Seasons as an example. Go to the animal world, the plant kingdom, vegetation, or the mineral world. They all are consistent and can be trusted like a clock. We know exactly when the sun will rise tomorrow morning. And we know when it will set. And we know different parts of the month, the lunar cycles, as well as the tides, and so many other things. This is not due to any type of prediction or prophecy. It's due to a consistency that is trustworthy. In the words of the Bible, after the great flood, God says to Noah, I will not, I will never break the cycle again. Meaning the cycle of time, the cycle of nature. It's going to be consistent, and you can trust it. And because you can trust it, you can predict, and you can prepare, and you can anticipate. You know the winter is coming, so you do things to protect yourself from the winter. Imagine the seasons were inconsistent. You wouldn't know when the next cold day is coming. When the, you wouldn't have the general sense of it. What would you need to do? Every day, you need to be worried what's going to happen today. So... Security, meaning consistency, creates security. Security creates trust. The only place this is breached, or this could be breached, the only place this can be violated, this rules, that exist anywhere in nature, and I should let me add with nature even further than that. Even when it comes to predators and prey, that's predictable as well. We know who the predator is. We know who the prey is. We know when they will hunt. We know once they hunt and once they feed themselves, the predators, they will not go hunting for no reason. It's not just thing as hunting as, as a uh, hobby, as a uh, recreational activity. And the same thing is with how 
the different interconnectivity and the cross-pollination of different species, all predictable. It can be beautiful, and it can sometimes be surprising, the fascination of the surprising, but it is predictable because it runs like a clock. With the, the normal variations that happen as adjusting to realities, as creatures are able to do. The only exception is the human being. When it comes to the animal kingdom, is it, is it even conceivable that a parent, you know, there are species where the parent, as soon as the child is born, they more or less separate, or completely separate. But that's because they're, the, the, the child, the offspring, has in it the natural instincts to survive. Others stay longer with their parents, and the parents stay with their offspring. But there's never a situation where suddenly you can't trust your parent. There are situations within species that there is, uh, there is infanticide and there is other things that species sometimes, but that's also part of the, the natural cycle. It's only the human beings where someone that you can trust can suddenly turn on you, intentionally, unintentionally. So the question is why? So usually you'd answer the question would be, the answer would be free will. But that itself doesn't answer the question, why? Why do we have free will? And what is exactly free will? So the way the mystics explain it is because at the beginning of existence, the beginning of creation, the divine power invested and created a diversity and created a certain level of concealment that conceals the interconnectivity between one human and another. In the natural world, they naturally have that instinct and they naturally know what is right for them and there's all that consistency because it's meant to be like a platform that is absolutely secure and absolutely predictable. But as the human being charged with changing the world and making it a better place, so there's a good side to it that our unpredictability allows us to create tremendous things that go beyond our nature and no animal can do that, no other species can do that, but it also allows for us to not feel and sense the connection that we have and the consistency and the security and the trust that results from that. So it's possible for man to go to war with man, for nation to go to war with nation, for people with people, brother with brother, brother, siblings, parents, and so on. All because we have the ability to actually transform existence into a far greater universe than it could ever have been on its own. That has to come with a measure of a certain spontaneity, a certain unexpected element, unexpected in a good way. But unexpected in a good way can lead to an unexpected in another way, which can lead to the erosion of trust. So in a sense, the whole issue of trust and lack of trust is very much about our true connectivity, but that we need to learn to appreciate it and learn to embrace it. Why indeed would a parent who biologically and naturally would love a child, deprive a child of love, deprive a child of the consistency of the security and safety? Does it make sense? An adult, not a child, an adult, gives birth to a child and do not provide safety for that child. How is that possible? If you think about it, it goes against the grain of any normal human being. The answer is because they become consumed with themselves and they themselves don't even see what's good and healthy. That's a blindness. It's a blindness of not seeing what the normal thing you should be doing. Instead, you're thinking about yourself, my needs, 
The child could even become a nuisance, God forbid, to the parent. So parents will be either absentee or inconsistent because they're taking care of themselves. They've forgotten. The normal obligation that every human being has is to provide safety for your young. That's inconceivable anywhere else in nature. Why is that possible? Because the self blinds us. The truth is, it's really meant to be, as I said before, the potential for you to use your individuality and use your free will to create a far better world that no species can create. But the downside is that it could also create a selfishness that no other species has. And that self-absorption of self-interest blinds you. And that can lead to all kinds of cutoffs, being cut off from people around you and not allowing yourself to create the necessary safety and the necessary security for any healthy organism, for any healthy child, for any healthy life to thrive. That's what happens. So whether it's an addiction, alcohol, self, selfishness, narcissism, any form of self-absorption is depriving those around you with a natural trust that you should be able to have, that they should be able to have in you. So it is a breach, not just of trust, it's a breach in the actual true interconnectivity of all components of existence. Imagine nature would work that way. Imagine your body worked that way. If your mind did not, if, if one part of your body did not trust another part of your body to do its function, you put some food down your, in your mouth. So I don't know if the word trust is the right word, but you could say that every part of the body trusts that when it gets into the gullet, the gullet will do its part. As it enters into your in, intestines, it will do its part. If one part of the body does not do what it parts and the other parts realize it can't trust it, and I'm using trust in that broad sense, what happens? They try to compensate and often causes problems. Sometimes you can work around it. This is what, how we work around illness. But, if you don't, but, but often it creates havoc. So there has to be a trusting relationship between the thousands and thousands of systems within us and the trillions of cells that they just all work the right way and you know when the heart is beating in a healthy way, there's the contraction and expansion and the different valves open and close as the circulation of your body goes in and out. The breathing mechanisms, releasing of carbon monoxide and the intake of healthy energy that becomes oxygenized and that becomes part of your blood. The whole process, it has to all work exactly like a Perfectly, intricately, um, perfect, uh, what's the word I want to use? Um, Synchronicity. Harmony. Like a machine, a perfectly humming along machine. The human race were able and unfortunately capable of cutting off. And one thing cannot trust the other because it's not doing what has to be done in that particular time. So imagine a team. Teamwork. You build a team. Every part of the team knows exactly what it has to do. And one person in the team decides to go off and do something on their own because they got distracted or because they got busy or they got self-consumed or they got terrified. So this is a relay team. Everybody has to do its part. And then nothing can be complete because this person has not done his connection. One, one as they say, the strongest point is your weakest link. That one weak link compromises the entire picture. 
And the same is true in any type of situation, whether it's business organization, whether it's teamwork, whether it's in sports, whether it's in music. This ability to create a trusting environment where every component knows it has to do its part and it can trust that the other parts will do their part when their time comes, in their moment, in their situation. So it's critical to think about this. What I find that many people who betray others, the trust gets betrayed or violated, they don't even think about it. So the first just be conscientious and sensitive to it, knowing how important it is. Now I'm not saying that automatically is going to solve problems, but at least be aware and don't minimize it. Which leads me to one of the most important elements in trust. Since none of us are perfect, nature you could say is perfect, because that's the way the Creator made it. The clockwork is perfect. And when it needs to adjust, it will adjust also. There's a forest fire, the forest knows how to regenerate and regrow. Creatures know how to adjust and adapt, except of course when humans upset the balance. And even then they have a certain resilience. But we can of course drive creatures extinct. But when it comes to the human being, when it comes to the human being, none of us are perfect. So let's talk about that. Even if someone is trustworthy, it doesn't mean they're perfect. So how does trust fit in into a situation where humans have the free will not to be perfect? Or better said, even if they're even without the free will, the mere fact that they're human beings, they're not going to always be perfect. And this leads us to the most important point of all, perhaps. Trust is not built on perfection, it's built on accountability. No one's perfect. Accountability means that though I made a mistake, I'm accountable, and I can apologize, and I acknowledge it, and I don't go into denial or pointing fingers and blaming someone else or covering it up. Accountability. So when you know somebody's going to be accountable, that's trust. If a parent hurt to hurt the child, and even many times, and then came to the child and was sincere in its accountability, what do you think would happen? Of course the child wants to forgive. It just has learned not to because it just can't trust. So it's accountability that's the key thing. That's why it's so important, the awareness. Not that that alone will solve it, but then you become accountable. So a very blunt, brutal question perhaps that one can ask themselves. Are you a trustworthy person? Are you someone that can be accountable for mistakes you've made? Sometimes harsh mistakes. Many of us, because of our insecurities, which is why we don't trust ourselves and others find it difficult to trust us, that causes us, that compels us to continue to be non-trustworthy by never being accountable. Accountability is the counterforce to lack of trust. Now this doesn't mean fake. You can't put it on a con on and say, you know what, I'm accountable, forgive me, I acknowledge it. It has to be proven. And that goes back to the earning of trust. Earned trust is earned. You can't say, listen, I hurt you, now I realize it, and I forgive me. Because self-interest, of course, you want to be forgiven, maybe you want something. But this accountability is something that ultimately another person will recognize, that you are sincere, that you have integrity, that you've learned from your mistakes, you don't repeat them. And the list goes on with all kinds of things that are included in this accountability. We have that ability to be accountable. And accountability is what compensates over lack of perfection and allows for trust to begin to reemerge.
So like I mentioned before the example with love, just like you need water to keep a flower alive, nourished, nurtured, for it to grow and blossom. Same thing is every relationship needs trust and love. But trust, what happens if you did not water the flower? What happens if the flower was deprived? And for a while, not just for a moment. So accountability means you come back and say, you know what, I know I did not water you. And I really feel really horrible about it. Maybe the word horrible is not the right word. I feel bad about it. But I'm going to rec- I want you to recognize, I want you to realize that I recognize it, and you'll see it in my behavior. That doesn't mean you have to put it in words. Actions speak louder than words when it comes to things like this. And if it's done sincerely, and usually with the help of a third party that can help you be more objective and not cover up or minimize and so on, you can actually re-earn trust. The classic story, of course, story I bring very often about the story of Yom Kippur, the, the birthday, I call it a birthday of hope, but you could also say the birth of trust. Or you could say regaining trust, re-earning trust after it was betrayed. That was the story. After the Jews received the, 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 the Ten Commandments, and the tablets, Moses came down with the tablets at Sinai. 49, 39 days later, they betrayed God by building a golden calf, the ultimate betrayal of trust. How could I trust you? Turn my back for a few minutes, for a few days. You found another God. Moses breaks the tablets, goes back up on the mountain, prays for forgiveness, prays to rebuild the trust. But how do you rebuild trust? It was a real betrayal, a real violation, and it was not an accident. It wasn't like a, some type of uh, accident. It was very deliberate. But he knew there's a connection between the people and God. And he worked on that. And it took time. 40 days he was rejected by God. But then another 40 days in Yom Kippur, he comes down with the second tablets, I have forgiven them. Which means I've regained trust because Moses was accountable. Even though he was not part of the crime, but he insisted that I would be accountable and I'll make sure that people are accountable. If I give you accountability, I want your trust back. And he had to prove himself. It took him 80 days to prove that. And every Yom Kippur, we celebrate and honor and commemorate that. That's why it's the holiest day. And that is, of course, the greatest challenge. It's one thing not to lose trust in the first place. That's beautiful. But it's even much harder to regain. But when you regain it, it comes with a heavy price. A heavy price. And that price is the accountability necessary and showing that you are going to do whatever it takes to connect again. Now, it may take a lot of knocking on many doors, and it may take a lot of effort, but it's not about doing it on condition that I'm going to get the reward. True true um, remorse and true accountability is not because I'm going to get your trust back. It's in its, it's a, in its own right valuable. Whether you'll get the trust back is up to the other person. You cannot impose it on them. You can't demand it. Just like you hurt them, you can't suddenly say now, you, know, you, 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 you gave up your right to demand trust, to, expect, to have the other person expect trust, to trust you once you've hurt. But you don't, have not given up the ability to be accountable. And that's a critical component. Now you'll say, many people will say, once I've been hurt, I don't want to let down my guard. I've been hurt. Well, I will say to you, that's if you feel that way, I understand fully, and I'm not trying to say we have to 
come a full assault on your psyche and just break down your resistance or your walls or your defenses. But what you're doing when you don't trust is you're giving up on yourself as well. Because you're giving up firstly trusting yourself and finding someone you can trust in and giving up a true relationship. Just because you've been hurt and without minimizing that, why, why would you give up on yourself? You may not find maybe the people that hurt you are not the people you will, can ever trust again. Because if they're not accountable, but why would, you, why would you deprive yourself of trusting another person? Now, that doesn't mean that you should suddenly let down the guard. I'm just planting the seed to realize what you want to work on is access. That element inside you that's really connected with the human race, with others. That's why it was so important. Trust is not just a, 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 a tool. It is a tool, but it's something else. It's a reflection of the interconnectivity and the security and the safety that we all should be providing one another as it is in nature, as it is in our human body, as it is in so many different scenarios of healthy organisms at work. So to cut yourself off from that is essentially cutting yourself off from that connection. Connection. That unity, that integration with society, with others. Now, there's somebody that's hurt you or violated your trust. Fine. If that person is not accountable, so they have not earned their right to be able to enter your circle or re-enter your circle. But why would you cut yourself off from others re-entering that circle? Now, you'll say, how do I regain trust and learn trust when I've been hurt? So that's where you have to find people that you could slowly trust. Slowly, I emphasize. Because it takes time. Test the waters. Do as much testing as you want. But don't test just in order to find excuses to cut yourself off. You're testing to really see, maybe I could find a human being that I can trust to some extent. And that can grow. It can take a whole lifetime to grow. That is essentially the dynamics necessary now, the interesting thing is a few points here. That even when trust is betrayed, you are still connected with everyone around you, even those people that hurt you, frankly. But there, if they don't merit, and you don't merit, that connection may not be seen in any open way. But that inter- interconnectivity that we have, and sometimes blinds us due to our own self, or due to being hurt, or other factors, that is not, is, remains your inherent component. So in that sense, trust is almost like with love, not something you need to acquire, not something you need to purchase, not something that comes from outsiders or imposed upon you. It's your natural part of who you are, just like we breathe, just like we need to eat, just like we have other natural inherent factors in our lives. Trust is one of those forces, like love is. It's your natural right. That's a critical component, because it's one thing to say, okay, you know what, I was a trusting person, I got hurt, that's it. Now I'm damaged goods, or other people are damaged goods. But if you realize that the soul within you has never really been betrayed, the outer layers have been betrayed, then you never don't, don't give up on yourself. And the same is true regarding trusting yourself. The self is always powerful. It's only you become disconnected from it so you don't believe in it. It's like someone who lacks self-confidence when truth is that they have no reason to lack self-confidence. So we have the cast 22, of course. What do you do? I don't believe in myself even though you're telling me I should. That is why we have friends. That is why we grow. That is why we experiment with new 
experiences. That's why we travel. That's why we go out for fresh air. Because if you're going to continue breathing the same toxic air, of course you're going to come to the same conclusions. Find a new friend, travel to a new place, try a new exercise, physically work out, do something you like, sports, hobby, whatever it may be, try something new. New experiences bring fresh air. Fresh air opens up new channels. And new channels connect you back to some of the things that you may have lost or lost touch with. And I find this very often. Sometimes people don't find it easy to trust another person if they've been hurt. But you can learn to trust an activity. For example, go swimming once a week. You can trust the exhilaration you'll have from that. Or something else that you connect with. So trust can be sometimes with an experience or with reading a book or something consistent. That's vital because remember, security, consistency is what brings trust. If you're just going to do something every week, you're going to do something else and run from one place to another, it's just another human being running in fear and not sticking with anything. So creating consistency. Now, if you can do it with another human being, obviously that's great. But sometimes... That's not the way to begin. Become consistent with some activity that you do. And you can learn to trust it. You learn to become secure. What you're doing is learning to trust yourself through that. And when you learn to trust yourself, it'll be easier to learn to trust other people. Proceed with caution, but proceed. Always know you want to grow. You're climbing a mountain. No one climbs a mountain overnight, especially when there are impediments. But climb. That will take some courage, it will take some willpower, it will take persistence, but it's doable. And, the, and what you get in return is well worth the effort. Because what you're opening yourself up to is vistas and horizons that maybe have been closed off for you, unfortunately, due to whatever violated your trust. So the interesting thing here, which I find to be quite fascinating is that you already have trust within you. That's why children naturally have trust. What happens when they lose it, it's not disappears. It's just like you retreat back into your shell. That doesn't mean you lost the power. It means you don't let yourself access it. You don't want to access it because you've been hurt. Why would you? Why would you put yourself out there when someone can hurt you? Hurt you? But don't ever think that you lost it, the capacity to trust. You just lost being in touch with it. And that's why you'll find, when people find that connection to something, even to experiences, I've heard this so often from people telling me, thank you for that advice, because they learn to trust themselves again. And it can be exhilarating, because you learn to connect to something that has always been there, but for some reason has gone to sleep, has become dormant, in some way you felt almost was hopeless. There's always ways to revive it. And when you do, it opens up, as I said, new, the new horizons. The ability to really trust yourself and trust others. Which really means to connect. To connect yourself and connect others. Because trust is essentially a way that we connect with each other. Lack of trust is a way of being disconnected. So disconnect will create distrust. And connect will create trust. And trust will create connection. Distrust will also create disconnection. Every way you twist it, that's how it works. So to go back to our initial questions. We talked about earning trust. You earn trust through accountability. You earn trust through effort. You earn trust through honesty. Honesty. Integrity. And frankly, this goes both ways. It's not just earning trust. It's also how to learn to trust others. 
So it's what you have to do is to earn trust, is for you to behave that way. But the more you earn it, the more you, um, the more you are able to trust others, the more, you, the more you can also trust them. Oh, one second, I just repeated myself. The more you learn to earn trust, that others can trust you, the more you learn to trust them. Now this has to be taken, as I said, with a, with a proper uh, approach. And I do not ever suggest just jumping into anything. But we should always be open to new opportunities because we are not locked. We are not trapped by our circumstances. We have the capacity to free ourselves. And trust is a great, great tool. Now, interestingly, the word trust we find in all American currency. You look at a penny, a nickel, a dime, a quarter, a dollar. In God we trust. Not in God we believe, in God we trust. So as long as we see the word trust used, context of the divine. In Hebrew, the word for trust is bitachon, to trust. Amuna is faith. Trust is more than faith. Faith is you believe in something. You believe that God exists. Bitachon is trust. You trust that God will help you. In God we trust. On the currency, most people would say, one second, I trust the mighty dollar. The almighty dollar. No, on that dollar, the, the wisdom of the of, of, of the, those that established that in the United States is that we realize that even money itself, which is the epitome of selfishness, the pity of materialism, I should say, there they engraved and printed these words in God we trust. Because trust is the key to everything. When you have trust in God and you have trust in those values, you're lifted up to those higher standards that are higher than yourself. If you say, I only trust myself and what I do and what I achieve and what I've earned, then it's very, very, um, it's um, mercurial. It's temporary. It's arbitrary. It's based on where you are. If one day you're successful, you trust yourself. The next day you fail, you may not. You want trust to be connected to something that is unwavering, something that can hold you up even when you're feeling somewhat weak. This takes me back to what we spoke about earlier, the connection that we have. The reason you can trust the seasons, the reason you can trust nature itself, the reason you can trust the system is because there's something that's keeping it in place that you know is reliable. Reliable and therefore secure and consistent and consistency and rely, creates reliability and security and security creates trust. So when you want something trusting, you need something that's unwavering. When you know meet a person and you see that they have values, but you know those values are circumstantial, arbitrary. You know, they're uh, relative. That sometimes they'll do it, sometimes they won't. You're not going to trust that much. But when you meet somebody who has a value or values that you see are consistent, they will never compromise that value. And that you can test and see with time. You see the person will never betray another person you see that they won't lie. You see other things. You see things. That creates trust. So trust is being connected to something that's greater than the mortal vicissitudes that we all go through. And that's where the seasons and nature itself and the sun rising and all the other examples I gave and many more because you see some type of, I'll say, cosmic engineer, some type of conductor that's leading this musical ensemble, this, this orchestra. 
And that creates a reliability and a security and a comfort and a safety that you can trust. So in essence, when you're trusting another person, that's also being invoked. A connection to something that is beyond the moment, something you can rely on. Accountability counters the imperfection that we all are prone to or capable of. And trust in yourself is also trust in what? Not just in your uh, skills or in your aptitude or in your experience. It's trust in your soul. That your soul is created in the divine image. Every morning we say, my soul that you've returned to me is pure and holy and sacred. Your soul is your unwavering foundation. The roots upon which you can rely. A tree can rely on its roots. The roots are shifting the foundation. So connecting to your foundation is the key to connecting to, is, is the key to trusting, because then you trust the foundation. If your foundation is shaky or unpredictable or other ways uh, compromised, you don't know if you can trust it. This is unfortunately what happens when our trust as children is violated or somewhat betrayed. Our foundations, we're, our connection and our trust in our foundations get shaken. So the goal is to reconnect to the foundation of yourself, to others. As I said, if it's people, just, I just received a very beautiful letter today from someone, a, tra- a tragic beginning, but a happy ending. A person who was really abused by their father through the years of his childhood. He's married now with children. And recently, I was doing a program that affected him deeply, and he's reconnected. He's written a letter, and his father has shown true acrimony, true remorse. And they're rebuilding their lives. So touched by it. Because I see he had the courage to reach out. And hopefully it's going to work. But often it does not. But never give up. You never know. If you're strong and you're not afraid, you can return to the place where you were hurt. And sometimes able to regain what you want to regain. And do it even for yourself. You're not doing it for anyone else. Why should you be cut off? Why should you be... Compromise just because someone else hurt you, just because someone was not trustworthy, someone hurt you. That doesn't mean you can't return and maybe reconnect. If the person is worthy, you never find you may find out there'll be accountability. If not, you move on. Nothing lost. It can take it can take it can be very um, frightening and for and and, and, and overwhelming. But it may be a way because at least you found the strength to try to do that. So there's so many different scenarios, my friends. And I want to conclude by saying trust is one of our invaluable and critical um, faculties that we're blessed with. It's not just something that comes out of nowhere. It's natural to us. And it would be natural if it was... It was, if it was delivered and consistently delivered by those that care for us when we're children and growing into adulthood, we ha- would have it as a birthright. Often it could be severed, or at least the awareness of it could be severed. And there are ways to regain it. We don't want to write ourselves off just because it's been hurt. And it's fascinating how deep you can reach when you learn to trust. Because then you can do things without having to invest so much energy in protecting ourselves. Because at the end of the day, a lot, a lot of energy goes in, enormous amount of energy in putting up those walls that are based on distrust. And going back to the analogy I gave before with employees and workers, 
You know, you want to hire someone that you know when you're asleep they're doing their job. You don't have to keep second-guessing keep guessing yourself and asking, did you do it, did you not do it? Because then it's not worth it. You might as well do it yourself sometimes. But when you know that somebody can be trusted and you can go to sleep, you can go on vacation, you can travel, you know the store will be minded. They will mind the store. They will take care of what needs to be taken care of. What does that do? It frees your energy. You can invest elsewhere. But if you have to keep thinking to yourself, oh, I better call, I better find out, there's nothing like having a trusted aide a trusted employee, a trusted, a trusting employee, a trusted employee or a trusted um, um, worker in that fashion. What does it do? Think about how much energy it takes. And imagine if you don't trust how much energy that you have to expend. The same is true in our relationships. So trust frees up so, many, so much energy that's stored inside of us that is locked or trapped because the energy is going toward dealing with a distrusting world and, and so on, building insurance policies and insurance policies over insurance policies and so on. This doesn't mean we shouldn't be wise and prudent and figure out what to do to protect situations because we do live in a world where people can become very untrustworthy and can hurt and can do damage. But you want to have a minimum of that. You do what you need to do, but you want to be able to focus most of your energy into the positive growth of building a healthy relationship a healthier life, healthier, healthier communities. And when we're able to do that, it also becomes contagious because trusting people who know how to trust in a, in a healthy, mature way can teach others how to trust. As I said, it's also reciprocal. So consider this a, um, I guess, a workshop, a discussion on how to earn trust and all the elements involved. I always welcome questions or comments. It's very hard to be exhaustive in the topics like this. But what we're calling now a master class on the theme of trust, I think I've laid the ground and planted the seeds that um, hopefully can help you grow in this area. But again, I invite you with any questions or comments or, more ins- or, 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 uh, or, or a request for more insight or more materials and please write to us, write to me at MeaningfulLife.com, our website. You can like us, share this on Facebook, we're on YouTube, all the different channels, and as well as uh, uh, other social media. And of course, we have a weekly email that we'll be sending out that will cover the themes of each week. So with that, we're here every Wednesday, usually beginning around 8.30 p.m. And I thank you. I also want to encourage you to help us you know, these are free programs. A lot of work goes into them to help us by sponsoring or dedicating a class by going to MeaningfulLife.com slash sponsorship. You can do this in the memory of a loved one, in honor of a loved one. It's a great way to honor someone with these themes that affect and impact so many people. Thank you very much, and everyone have a blessed week.